0: I'm Julio Lopez. On this special episode of Ink Tank, we're joined by Saul Lopez, head of CRM at Dixon's Carphone, to spotlight him and his amazing career trajectory. We'll discuss his approach to being a transformational leader and how he has worked his way to being an influential member within the world of digital marketing. Welcome to Ink Tank, Saul.
1: Hi. Hi, Julio, and thanks for having me. It's been such a long time. We spoke last, and I couldn't be happier to be able to have this chat and um, talk about Pride Month.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very happy that you were able to join us. Uh, So before we jump in, I'd love to have you share a little bit more about your role and for our North American audience who may not be familiar with the brand, tell us a little bit about Dixon's Carphone.
1: Yes, so Dixon's Carphone is the largest electronic retailer in Europe. And I I head up the CRM department for uh, the UK for both the Curry's and the Carphone warehouse brands. Um, So for the American folks, we can say that basically we're the best five of your Well, that makes it
0: very clear for us.
1: Um, again, I can't express to
0: you how happy I am that I get to have you as a guest on this episode of Think Tank. You know, we know each other for a couple of years now, and I have to say that you're someone that I've always admired. You're an accomplished individual, an inspiring leader, an innovator, and it's been a pleasure knowing you both as a friend as well as professionally, and seeing all the amazing things that you've accomplished.
1: Oh, wow. Thanks for, thanks for all of those compliments. I think I'm going to save this video for my performance review. <laughs> lots of, <laughs> lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Thank you. But, uh, but you guys been there from, from day one and it was this partnership that kind of helped out with that, with that trajectory also. Well, that's,
0: that's definitely great to hear. And, um, I definitely want to hear more about how Mubo Link has been a part of your success story. So we'll touch on that a little bit later, but i want to start chatting about your career progression so we're at the start of summer and that means that there's a flood of new graduates coming into the workforce and in addition to that more recent world events have also made a lot of people really evaluate where they're taking their careers so you're this highly successful digital marketer how did you get your start in the field
1: well i actually didn't even start in this field so I think so many young people and so many young students that are starting their career, they all think they have this kind of linear path, like is like this linear path up that you start as a junior exec, then exec, then you senior exec, then you go to manager, VPs, directors, and then you go all the way up to CEO. Um, I think that happens very, very little nowadays. Like if I look at my career trajectory, it's just been like all over the place, like just running all around. I've done so many different things and worked in so many different areas, it, it's, it's, it's just that I never, I always was one of those people that never knew what I wanted to do. Um, and yes, you do have those people that kind of leave university and they have that one ambition and they work for that one ambition, but you also have a lot of people that just don't know where they want to place themselves and where, and where they want to be, and I was one of those people. So I, I started off my career in private, in private aviation and, um, and in private aviation, I started off in the finance department in the fi- uh, uh, filing credit card expense reports uh, as my very first kind of um, job. And then I worked in the finance par- department in financial analysis. For financial analysis, I went from two operations and then I kind of went and started working in the kind of airport access um, with airport slots. Then I went to vendor management and then I kind of finally made kind of the big move more to the sales, the sales area. So I worked in sales. I supported the sales team in terms of sales and uh, sales analytics, but also, and then I ended up finally in marketing analytics. So I've done like tons and tons of lateral moves and I was always kind of moving and trying new things. Not those those lateral moves are not important. Um, having all of that breadth of experience that I did in my 20s. Makes me a bet a much better marketer today. It's so easy for me to do uh, uh, a financial report. I know I know I know how a and L works. Each time I have an idea, I, I I know the operational angle of it. So it is a really good learning experience. But I was just doing tons of lateral and lateral moves.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. That there's a lot of little bits of experience that we pick up from different roles. So I can see how the different areas that you worked in uh, have influenced how you uh, do your job today. Um, But it sounds like you were in private aviation for a really long time. What do you think prevented you from moving up since you said you were doing a lot of these lateral moves?
1: Yeah, um, the biggest thing, and I think we always think that moving up is just doing a great job. And if we do a great job, if we work really hard, if we put all of our effort to it and be on the top of the scale, that suddenly, that suddenly we're going to move up. And reality, it it doesn't work like that. Number one, all of us have to be in charge of our own careers. We have to be the ones wanting it. We have to be the ones commanding it. Do not not wait on other people to kind of create those opportunities for you. And second of all, I just wasn't selling myself. I wasn't, I was doing, spending all 100% of my effort and time just doing the great work. That I wasn't spending the time so that other people could notice I was doing doing the great work. So you, besides doing great work, you have to sell yourself. Everyone in the company has to know the great work that you're doing. You have to promote it. You have to celebrate. You have to always always talk about it. And as marketers, at the end of the day, if you can't sell yourself, how are you going to sell to your customers? <laughs> That is
0: one of the best ways I've heard that put. And it's really great advice. I completely agree. I, yeah, it's important that you be your own champion and that you focus on authentic self-promotion, um, you know, making sure that you're creating a brand of, of yourself because it's going to be essential to your success. Um, so we talked about how you had a number of different roles across different industries. And now you're this digital marketing rock star. Uh, But I'm sure the journey wasn't always easy. No, I absolutely stand behind that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in this journey, were there any career setbacks that you think are important to highlight?
1: Yeah, I think everyone in their career has huge and major setbacks. I remember I had a huge setback. So... I was working for the private Asian company NutJets, and their headquarters was in Columbus, Ohio. And I was planning to move from Lisbon to go to Columbus, Ohio. And it was—it was like this was a job that I was waiting for. This was the opportunity that I have worked nine years for. I'm finally going to get the promotion. I'm finally going to move move um, to headquarters. I was looking for houses. I was doing. I was so excited. And at the end of the day, I didn't get it. And that absolutely completely broke me and it broke me completely and it was like what am I gonna do now and it was the time I started to say you know what my time for this company has ended I have to move on and even moving on I just wasn't finding anyone like I wasn't getting interviews it was just such a low point of my career but it was the one that kind of opened the doors for what I'm doing today. So I never forget when a headhunter um, contacted me on LinkedIn to move to, uh, to a, a hotel group. And he says, look, I have the CRM manager role for you. Think you'll be perfect. You fit, you fit, you fit the profile. Um, you worked in marketing analytics already for a couple of years. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. The very first thing I did is Googled, what does a CRM manager do? <laughs> <laughs> so take it till you make it. The job titles are just, job titles are just so crazy and always ignore job titles and always look at the spec and at what type of skills and what I noticed is that the skills that I was doing for all this time are exactly the skills of a CRM manager. So at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, having that experience kind of made me first move to London, a little bit more vibrant than Columbus, Ohio. Sorry, sorry for everyone who lives in Columbus, Um, but Also, it started my career as being a CRM.
0: Yeah, I think there's always hidden sort of benefits to the things that happen to us in our lives, and it's that focus on the silver lining. You never know what good is going to come out of, you know, something that might seem like a career setback. Um, Well, thanks for for being open to sharing that experience. Um, One thing that I think your career path demonstrates is that there can be any number of reasons as to why someone would want to switch careers or companies or sometimes it's not necessarily their decision. Um, But, you know, it still is part of our career progression. So so speaking of career progression, I met you while you were heading up CRM at Virgin Holidays and you were very successful there too. Um, But then you decided that you were ready for a new role. So what was your criteria in your search for this new role and this new company?
1: Yeah, so... My time at Verge was amazing and I loved every single, every single bit of it. It was an amazing company, they gave me like, amazing opportunities. Um, and uh, I really felt I developed in that role, like the soul that came in and the soul that exited was, uh, was a completely different person. Um, but I was there for four years. And one thing that I started noticing is I'm not the type of leader that optimizes. So I've done the major transformations. I've done the major change, and I was in a point that I was just in an optimization scenario. Now, some people are great at that, and that's great. And some people are be- really great at fine-tuning processes and making them a little bit better and everything. But that's not the type of leader, the type of person I am. I like to drive big change. So I like to, I like kind of look at a process, tear it apart, rebuild it all, rebuild it all um, from scratch, and just do big, major transformations. So, at the end of the day, I was just bored, so after those four years, I was just bored and I just wanted a new challenge and something completely new. Um, well I think everyone, and especially people new into the, to, to, to their careers, they have to understand what they most value in a job, and once you understand what's the most value in the job, it's just so easy to select it. So Like for me, the top four criteria of finding a job is having the remit from Exco to drive a major transformation. Work for a brand that I'm proud of, and that is a leader in its category. Manage a large team, I love team management, I love managing people, and also work for a company that doesn't procrastinate and wants to drive change. So um, if people don't know, the the retail industry does not procrastinate, and they move at pace. So that one was a tick, but many companies love to say that they, they want change and then you go in and um, it's just endless months and months and years writing strategic decks on what we're going to do instead of actually doing any action. And that, for me, frustrates me incredibly. So each time I look at opportunity, I look at opportunity that can come in and drive, drive action, action right away. And what I found at Dixon's Phone was... The setup was really, really interesting. So Alex, our new CEO, just uh, came in, has just started. He then recruited Andreas, our new CCO. Then we had a new marketing director, then Dan, Dan Rubel, which is my boss. So you had a series of new people in the company wanting to bring new ideas and wanting to bring in change. I knew that this was gonna be the company that was, was gonna drive change.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think sometimes you need multiple levels of change in order to drive that you know transformation that you're looking to achieve. And you also need leaders like you who are interested in making that change happen. Sometimes we have these ideas that you know, die by you know a million meetings and a million versions of a PowerPoint. And those ideas never really come to life because they oh, I, so bored. Championing them. I
1: got so bored <laughs> with all of that.
0: <laughs> I understand the need for, for documentation, but there's also a need for action. Um, and so I think that that's where leaders like you come in, where it's how do we get this minimum viable product into market to test and iterate and figure out what's working and not working and then go from there. Um, so, yeah, I think that everyone would agree, everyone that's met you, that you are a transformational leader. Um, so I can see why you are ready for your next challenge. Um, and I think it's great to hear uh, what a wonderful experience you had at Virgin Holidays, and that's very much evidence in the type of innovative and award-winning campaigns that you launched during your tenure there. But you know, let's great. be honest, it wasn't a single-handed effort, right? You were leading a team um, when you were there. So, so on that topic of leadership, you've been managing these uh, large, invisible teams in your last few roles, um, which, as you said, is something that you enjoy doing. You know, I fundamentally believe that the quality of a team output is largely based on leadership and that that typically starts in the selection process, who we bring into our teams. So as a tenured transformational leader, what do you look for when you're building out a team?
1: Yeah, so I, ca- I kind of little disagree with that. I think the big change comes from the team itself. As a leader, I'm just a facilitator. I'm just I just facilitate, I just put things in the kind of help processes come and happen, but it's the team and the amazing team members and amazing teams I've always had who've done the change and driven, driven all of that change. So at Dixon Carphone, I was so lucky, I had an amazing team already, but with amazing ideas, wanting to do amazing stuff and wanting and wanting and loving change. Um, what they didn't have is just the right, the, the right tech stack in order to enable that change. So um, what I would say is um, a big mistake that us as marketers and a lot of people do in business is when they talk to talk about transformation, they think about tech first. And that is the biggest error error that you can do. When, you, when you're driving a digital transformation, the very first thing is is that you focus on people. Because those people are the ones that are going to drive your digital transformation. Are going to set up the tools of the um, the right way. That, would, that that they won't create immense immense technical debt. That's all driven by people. It's people who drive the change. The tech is all, all, always the enablers. Um, and then is recruitment. And when when I'm recruiting, is I'm looking for passion. Uh, the very one of the very first questions I always ask is which campaign are you most proud of and why? And through that response, you see right away if someone has, says something with passion and says something and talks about it, and I did this and I did that, and I proved the company wrong on this, and uh, everyone thought B and then uh, A happened and all that stuff. So very, very quickly, you can see that passion in people. Another thing is always do an interview test. I always, always do an interview test because I don't even don't even care what they write in that interview task but it's a test of how much people want it someone who wants that job someone who wants who wants to work with you will put all their effort into that interview task and that interview task will be amazing someone who's not that interested will probably just do two or three slides and just move on so you can really really um, see that another one is focusing on creating the amazing brief so i think everyone loves doing amazing work Teams get frustrated is when they're doing work that they're not proud of, work that they're forced to do, work that they, don't, they just don't like. So I think jobs as leaders is actually creating that amazing brief. Oh, let's overhaul this customer journey. Let's introduce this new tech stack and try whole new things they want to do amazing and award winning work. And especially with the millennial population, they all want to make a difference. They all want to put their stamp on things. So the ability of giving, giving and facilitating these amazing briefs and these amazing opportunities is how you get employee, employee engagement up and the teams up. And kind of the very last thought on this subject is around diversity. I never, never hire someone the same as me. If they had, if I had replicas of me sitting in my team, um, there would be, hell hell would break loose. I'm not, and I do get lost in my thoughts sometimes. So I need other people who pull me down, who look at the detail, who who talk to me. So um, having that diversity of different different people, different ways of working, people, big big thinkers and small thinkers, creative people, tech people, data people, and even people from all backgrounds and races. Having that diversity is so important.
0: Yeah, I agree. And if I was going to summarize what you said, it's really people first. All all, all four or five points that you just mentioned are around who you have in your team and, and your selection process is looking to create that diversity. So I completely agree with that approach Um, and you know there's so much value and honestly just basic humanity and appreciating each other's differences whether that's age or race gender sexual orientation or any other elements of diversity Um, and I think it's up to us as leaders to engender that mentality in the organizations that we're working for and the teams that we're leading Um, so we're going to touch on your personal experience as a gay man in just a few moments uh, but before we do that, I want to address one of your other points. So, so you mentioned that the main challenge your team at Dixon's faced, since they were already really a great team, was that when you first joined, they didn't have the right tech stack to enable them to execute these great ideas that they were coming up with. So, as a leader and as a facilitator, you made it so that Movable Link is now part of your tech stack at Dixon's. Um, and you and I met because you've been such a strong advocate of movable link at virgin holidays so clearly there's an affinity there so I'm interested in how all of this got started so if we were to take you back to day one uh when did you first learn about movable link and how were we described to
1: you then? oh wow uh, first day of movable link october 2015. <laughs> I still I still I still remember when I signed that contract um it was it It was really incredible. Um, So your Moveable Link office was just three people, Sean, Craig, and Matt. And it was just three people in London. For sure today, you have a a lot more. And um, basically what was happening is, six months into my job, um, I wasn't producing much. I didn't come up with an amazing idea. Um, I wasn't doing anything big. And and I wanted to do like a big bang, a big splash. And um, suddenly someone recommended, oh, Go, go and talk to Movable link. I think they can help you with a few things. And um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to impress my job, uh, my boss. I just wanted to impress my boss, the exco, and just do just something great. So I saw Movable link, and I suddenly saw a tool that I can drive that personalization, drive that personalized content, drive that automation that I wanted, and um, without changing anything of my existing tech stack. And it was such a journey. Um, I literally signed the contract, and four weeks later, we went out with our very first campaign, and we drove our peak, our peak activity. So it was such an intense time, and we were doing everything for Moveable Link. We were coding the emails, we were driving the personalization. Um, we were doing a lot of stuff, and like that story, that that story was is just still ingrained, ingrained to me to to me today. Um, and the rest, the rest was history after that, and we improved. And we improved year after year and we tried new things and really pushed you guys to the limit and other vendors to the limit also what it enabled is it proved us it proved success in the crm team so when they actually went to ask for the bigger cache i ready to kind of upgrade our data set or upgrade our esp um i finally had those really good stories to run by, so we already proved that we were successful at driving at dr- a driving change. So at Dixon's, I just repeated kind of kind of the same the same formula, uh, but at a lot bigger and larger, more complex um, scale. Um, so it was um, it, it was a great experience, and um, you can, you can't see like once we installed the link and everyone's faces. Uh, I ended up having a happy team.
0: Well, it's really great to hear. I actually had not heard that story, um, and I uh, will have to hear Sean and Craig's side of it too. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's advocating uh, for those initial wins is really important, um, and then also having your partner uh, or your vendor in this case understand um, what your goals are. You know, if you're clear and transparent about what you're looking to achieve, they'll figure out a way to frame how their technology can help you. So it, I'm glad that that uh, worked out and that Moovlink was able to I that you know, make of the your
1: it's a constant yeah, of partnership that we have, and, um, and you guys helped me when uh, I really needed a lot of stuff happening, and I also helped you, so it's a concept of partnership.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the right way to put it. I uh, mean, you know, kind of pivoting it a little bit, based on the conversations that I've been having with some other digital marketing leaders, such as yourself, these experiences, what you, what you went through, are actually a little bit more common now um, because COVID has accelerated the need for digital transformation. So there's no time for those 18 month long data projects, um, those replatformings. you got to act quickly. Um, so I definitely agree with you that this is where having that right tech stack really comes in. Um, so let's pivot back to, to your professional experiences as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I also want to touch on current events. Um, so as you know, uh, I'm also an out and proud gay man and what I've been thinking about is how the rights that we enjoy now are the result of what we fought for so we took to the streets we marched we organized we voted so so what are your thoughts on what's happening now
1: yeah what's happening now is big and I think today what we're witnessing is a moment in the hi- of history a moment of reflection and, the mo- and a moment of change and um, it's moment that sparked a conversation both in our personal lives and and our professional lives and sometimes a lot of uncomfortable conversations but those uncomfortable conversations are positive because by having them we can actually drive that change um as a a gay man i also suffered from 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 discrimination but what i see out of this movement is that i start to realize that that discrimination was, was a different kind it also allowed me to realize my my kind of privilege of being a cis white man. And um, it allowed me to rethink things. And even, even our movement, the Stonewall Riots, started, started with Martha P. Johnson and Silva and Sylvia Rivera, um, which was a transgender black woman a transgender um, Latina woman. And, um, and it's still those people who spearheaded the movements, who, made, who got us the rights that we have today. And they're, they're still the areas in in the LGBTQ community that still suffer the the, the most. But I guess the proof of this importance is the fact that on the professional setting, everyone is talking about it. You as my vendor and partner, we're talking about it. All companies, I'm talking to ex-colleagues, I'm talking to friends, all companies are talking about it, whether it's your vendors, it's your supply chain, it's your partners. Everyone's having having this conversation on a board level to employee level, um, from 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 top to bottom, and um, and they're starting to create actions actions around it. Um, like for example, a member of my team wants to go create a minorities and marketing group uh, here in London, so you can link everyone. Uh, that's a part of minority group in London. So I, I can only see drastic and big change coming out of this movement.
0: Yeah, I, I share with you in that in the hope that this will actually bring radical and positive change and that we can, you know, take our own individual experiences and use them to, to support this movement as best we can. Um, because the reality is that things simply can't continue the way that they are. Um, I would add to no. your comment, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would add to your comment that we simply can't let up, right? You know, we, we all have to continuously try to do better both in our private lives and in our professional ones. And from the professional side, people like you and I who are leaders in our respective organizations, we have the power to affect change and we need to do as much as we can and leverage the power of our position. So I really hope that our listeners take that to heart um, because we all have to do everything in our power. And we will. Um, So before we wrap this up, um, I did want to get your thoughts on one more thing. Um, There's, There's just so much that we've learned through our experiences over the years. And you've started to share some of that with us. So my last question to you is, what advice would you give to your younger self when it comes to being an openly gay man in the professional world?
1: If I only knew then what I know today, right? (laughs) (laughs) So many things, so many things. Um, I think it was a a different world when I started uh, professional life. And I started my professional life in Portugal. Um, not London so it was a little bit more old-fashioned and uh, when I when I even started my career gay marriage wasn't even legal so the type of lifestyle that I was living wasn't even um, seen legal by by our government uh, and that's why it's so important of the, uh, the legalization of gay marriage because it's also the government saying that your lifestyle is illegal your style, you know, your lifestyle is okay um, but when on true reflection, at the same time, I wasn't really accepting of myself either. I wasn't giving me the value that I was, uh, that I was worth. And I was so preoccupied in creating this image and trying to pass as a straight man and participating in these conversations. And all of that wasted effort and energy at work, trying to maintain this like veneer and trying to maintain this, was just useless energy that I could have used to my work and, and tried and did stuff better and tried stuff harder so it's like so much effort goes into in trying to create a different image of yourself and at the end of the day it's probably what makes you different is what makes you stronger so that that was something that I kind of I kind of look back and say why didn't I do that differently so I only took that big step when I moved to London kind of nine years back and I decided like that was it that was it I'm now going to be, no more lies, I'm going to be completely out. And I'll never forget the talk with my line manager uh, at the time, I just arrived in London. And he kind of just turned to me and said, Oh, so did you bring your partner over with your move? And I said, Oh, no, no, I'm a single gay man. And then he just turns to me and say, Oh, so you can have a really fun time in London, you're really, you're really going to enjoy it. And just find just finding out that it is okay. It's fine. We sometimes overreact what other people think, what other people are going to do. It's just all okay. And then right after that, life is just so much easier when you're accepting of yourself, when you're proud of yourself, when you don't care. And you know what? If you work in a company that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't let you be like that, that doesn't facilitate it, leave. They just lost an amazing employee, and they just and and they just they just lost lost a great employee. Etc. So um, just, just move on and value yourself. And um, I, I think that was kind of like my biggest, my biggest realization. But I think the key message that um, the previous managing director of Virgin Holidays, Mark Anderson, um, once said to me is, Saul, at, at the end of the day, you're most productive when you bring yourself to work. So all of that, time of trying to put at those veneers and those um those those different attitudes they're just wasted trying to create a second self at work is just wasted energy i want you to just be focusing on bringing yourself to work and that's where i really found found the importance of all of ourselves being able to bring ourselves to work our true selves from any type of background diversity uh, backgrounds race religions creeds um colors everyone be able to be their true selves and luckily at Dixon's Carphone, I can bring my true self to work we all can bring our true selves uh a true selves to work so that's something that was a big learning with me and something that made me very proud of everything that that I've achieved since then your line manager is going to be the biggest source of your happiness in the job and we sometimes people come out of university and people come out uh, and they just want to work for the big brands. I want to work for Facebook, I want to work with Google, I want to work here, I want to work there. And they're forgetting that that relationship with your line manager is going to be the key, the key to your success and the key to your happiness at work. So do not underestimate that and always work for a great line manager.
0: Yeah, I think you, know, you can make your career by who you choose to follow, right? You know, you're going to learn the technical sides of your industry from anybody, right? Because, you know, the, whatever you need to do day in and day out, it's just process and it's manual and and, and you can learn it from anyone. But the people that are going to really propel your career forward and help you really learn who you are as an individual are the people that support you. And there's so much value in having that line manager who, who, who does just that. And then, you know, there's also the importance of paying it forward. You know, what, what we can do for our direct reports and our team members and maybe not somebody that necessarily is just reporting into us from an HR perspective, but also, mm-hmm. you know, those around us that might necessarily have all the support that they need in their private lives. How do we show them with our own experiences that it can be done, that you can be successful um, and that you can you know reach your goals and not to put this mental block in front of you, that being gay is something that's going to Absolutely be a deterrent not. to your success. Yeah. Never again. Um, yeah, absolutely not. Um, so thank you again for sharing. Um, you know, I guess what I wanted to say is that it would have meant so much to me when I was first starting out and I was doubting my future success um, as an op- because I was an openly gay man to hear what you just said. So those words have really resonated with me um, and I really hope that those resonate with so. everybody else that's listening. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. A huge thank you to our guest, Saul Lopez head of CRM at Dixon's Carphone, for sharing your wonderful insights, your thoughts, and your experiences. I'm Julio Lopez, and I want to thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ink Tank so you don't miss any upcoming episodes.
1: And thank you. I had a great time. We had a great chat, and a big thank you to Ink Tank and the link for making this happen.